Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. This is our edition on Thursday the 21st of September and it's exactly three weeks to election day when Gibraltar chooses the next government, the people that we want to lead us in public life for the next four years. The deadline for candidates to register has now closed. 21 have signed on. The two teams, the GSD and the GSLP Liberal Alliance, and also independent candidate Robert Vasquez. Former GSLP executive member Alan Askers had hinted at potentially adding his name, uh, but he told Gibraltar today why he ultimately decided not to. After 23 years in Parliament, both as a minister and opposition member, Stephen Linares has stepped away from frontline politics. We hear from him about that decision, calling all landlords and tenants. The Federation of Small Businesses is asking, has the time come for sweeping reforms to existing laws? Owen Smith told us the current legislation is ancient. And stand-up comedy at the Rock on the Rock Club this weekend. Who better to tell us all about it than our very own Ben Lynch? But first, a nine-year-old child has been taken to hospital with head trauma and a broken arm after being run over by an e-scooter travelling wrong way up Willis's Road. We think that this uh, feeds into an ongoing conversation about e-scooters. Some people celebrate them because they remove cars from the road rather than somebody driving their car. They get on an electric scooter, which doesn't carry with it the same emissions on the road uh, because they are electric, so um, you know they get charged from the grid. Uh, and others, of course, point to the infuriating behaviour of some of the e-scooter drivers uh, who perhaps are a bit new to, to riding the micro-mobility device and uh, think that they can maybe do things that they can't and cause a nuisance and, in this case, worse than that, as my colleague Jonathan Sacramento told us. A nine-year-old child taken to hospital with a, a head trauma uh, a broken arm and uh, and the knee injury after having been run over by an e-scooter going the wrong way up Willis's Road. And uh, this well, this happened at about nine in the morning, so you can imagine. On, on his or her way to school? Yeah, uh, that's uh, like a child on, on his or her way to school getting run over by an e-scooter going the wrong way and obviously sustaining some pretty serious injuries. Uh, very little more than can be said about that because uh, the the incident is under investigation by the police. This happened last Thursday, by the way, uh, but it's only just been reported. <laughs> it's something that's been in the uh, overnight police reports that we received this morning. And and we we have been talking more and more about e-scooters. Um, you know, a lot of discussion when when Hoppy launched mm. the, the the rental service um uh, a lot of discussions online about um people using them about some people um faking their age mm. and pretending to be 18 and over mm. which is uh, who the service is for yeah, and using a, them as it's not as, hobby's fault they're providing mm. a service but at the same time they've made it uh, extremely accessible if you wanted to ride an e-scooter before 
you needed to buy one. <laughs> and that is essentially, I mean, it can be out of the price A few, few hundred all, pounds, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but, uh, but now obviously, I mean, by the way, this incident isn't necessarily... Uh, a hoppy scooter, by the way. I just wanted to make that clear. We don't actually know yet. I've put the question into the police, but they're waiting to see, uh, to hear back from the police officer who filed that report in the first place. Uh, it, it's almost irrelevant insofar as somebody was yeah, doing something matter. that they that they but shouldn't they have. They were they were riding it wrong way. Mm. Um, interesting. Uh, and um, and this is a conversation that's going to. Carry on, isn't it, Jonathan? Because and, and you know what's ha- what's happening a lot as well uh, is that a lot of people are being arrested for DUIs uh, on these e-scooters, and I think that what people need to be aware drink driving under the influence of alcohol. Yeah, uh, the, what people need to be aware is that just because it's a vehicle that you don't require a license for doesn't necessarily mean that it's not an offence if you drive them drunk. Absolutely, <laughs> and and what we are happening, what what's happening now, and what we're seeing a lot of is a lot of the. There was one last night, at three a.m. Uh, a guy <laughs> riding one of these e-scooters uh, without a helmet, by the way, which is also illegal. So he was stopped for that, but then subsequently tested for um, uh, with, with a breathalyzer, and it turned out that he was well over mm. the limit. Well, this is something um, that, uh, that the Royal Gibraltar Police want to talk about and um, and Kelly's just reminding me that we are going to have Sergeant Dan Ruffle from the Royal Gibraltar Police coming in to talk to us soon uh, about e-scooters and the police's approach to, to sort of enforcing the law with them mm. because it has, a, 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 because it's a new phenomenon, micro-mobility, people, mm. you know, y- using them and... and, and and you, you don't know, need a driving license. You don't need a driving license. I mean, in some respects, it's good because you know uh, parking spaces are are difficult. The they, environment they, as well. They're they're electric. The, there's no petrol. The, there's no there's no fumes at, at, at source when they're being used. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the, it it allows for fewer curbside emissions you know uh, um, the air that we're breathing should benefit from people more people using micro mobility you know um, bicycles scooters walking even using the bus i guess but the 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 change does bring with it um new habits and 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 we need to make sure as a society that we form the right ones mm. and that um, and that we don't do anything silly and and you know cause cause accidents absolutely Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. We did have in this studio with us former GSLP executive member Alan Askers earlier on uh, was it last last week. I'm losing track of time. I think it was Monday, wasn't it? And uh, and he had hinted that he was considering standing as an independent, uh, but the deadline has come and gone, and he hasn't done so. And uh, and this is what he had to say about his decision. Over the past few days, I've contemplated running as an independent socialist candidate. However, after a helpful discussion with my family last night, we collectively decided that I will not be participating in this election. The primary reason for this decision is my deep-rooted loyalty to what was my lifelong political party. Despite the unacceptable situation, it would be inconceivable for me to compete against this party. I couldn't bear to go against the party members who have supported me for so long, many of whom are more than just fellow party members. They are friends. As my wounds continue to heal, I will carefully assess whether to re-enter the political arena in the future. 
on Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. On politics, but somebody who's not contesting this election after 23 years in Parliament. Good afternoon to Stephen Linares, who has stepped away from frontline politics. A, a big decision, no doubt. Good Mr. afternoon, Linares. Jonathan. Yes, a very, very big decision. And like you said, I've been 23 years on in Parliament. I've been in politics more than that. I stood for election in '96 the first time. And I actually lost my deposit. But uh, yes, uh, it's a long time. And I think it's... Uh, I, I did throw the... the uh, I, I was going to stand. But I took the decision because there were other people in the Liberal Party who were willing to stand up and, you know, and, and stand for election. Leslie's the one, one of them. And I'm really glad for Leslie to take on the mantle. And, you know, I, I now will retire. So... Uh, Stephen, listening at home, yes. uh, wanted me to ask you, did you take the decision or were you pushed? Absolutely. Look, the decision is mine. Nobody pushes me anywhere. Anybody who knows me. <laughs> I've been in politics, like I said, 23 years in active politics in the parliament and uh, nobody pushes me out. And uh, uh, yes, uh, you know, sometimes there are circumstances where you, uh, like I said, I took the decision of standing, but then I thought, look, uh, I've got my daughter who's now involved with me in the campaign. She's she's a very active politician, but she's on the younger side, very young side. In her 20s? In her 23, she is. And, you know, she's very active. She's in, in the campaign. And she will probably be one of the people in the youth, in the youth section that will come up in probably in the, in the elections of 27. So we've got to give people the chance to go forward. Leslie is a very good candidate. I've worked with Leslie many times. He's been my electoral agent, and he's been in the party for a very long time, more than two decades. And I think he's an excellent candidate, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give the mantle to him. So you've been um, Minister for mm -hmm. Culture, Minister for Youth, Minister for Sport, yes. Minister for Housing. Yes, I'm what Minister am I for everything. <laughs> like I say in my statement, I've, I think I've covered uh, two-thirds of the ministries that exist, uh, from utilities to civil contingencies to post office to uh, even refuge collection to uh, City Fire Brigade then... Now the Fire and Rescue Service, I mean, I've covered quite a lot, yes. Uh, is the hardest, has the hardest ministry been the housing ministry? Absolutely. There's just, no question about it. Just because the housing issue in Gibraltar <laughs> is, is, a big, is a big one because we've got limited yes. space, a growing population. Yeah. It, it's to do with the fact that, look, you solve one problem and then you get more and you never finish. So uh, people, whether it's, you can give somebody a house, and maybe within a year or two, they have the, the family increases and there's another baby and they need another house. And all this movement within the uh, housing department or the, the housing stock, I should say, is nonstop, nonstop. And people are demanding uh, and rightly so. I mean, you know, they, they want their house. They want their and also on a day to day basis, uh, like maintenance of houses. Uh, yes, it's nonstop. How would you characterize your relationship with the pressure group Action for Housing? Well, I think I had a good relationship. I've, I've been here a couple of times with uh, Henry Pina, who I respect uh, immensely. I mean, he's a man that has been, you know, uh, in the upfront with housing. 
And look, we might agree to disagree. There are things that he used to tell me that he we were doing wrong, and I used to disagree with him. But look, this is politics, like I say. I mean, like I said, I've been 23 years in politics, and I have no issue with anybody who has disagreed with me at all. Do you regret not being able to build more housing for rental, as the pressure group has said they think you, Gibraltar needs more housing for rental in order to, to tackle the long-term issues? Well, I used to argue with him that we don't. We didn't need more uh, rental accommodation. Uh, I think that is more now, I leave it to the next one coming in, whether we should or we shouldn't build. My my theory was that because we were building affordable homes, many people from who are buying affordable homes would uh, leave homes for uh, in the government stock. And those were the people, the cat ones, that, uh, you know, would move from one to the other and leaving people. Because I think Gibraltar doesn't have, it's not a, housing is not social housing. Housing is uh, one of those things that everybody can uh, aspire to a, a house, even if you are economically viable and you have money and you have people who have two jobs, they still can aspire and I don't think it should be. It should be social housing. But anyway, that's that's now that's interesting. Uh, an argument. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you because yeah. you sometimes see uh, people, uh, I don't, you know, sort of accessing um, government housing, the the fifty fifties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and and they're on very good salaries. Yes, but no, it's not accessing the fifty fifty. It's even worse. It's access, accessing the rentals. The rentals. That's even worse. Yeah. Yes, because look, uh, some of the rental. I, mean, you, I don't think there is any house that you pay more than one hundred and fifty pounds a month. So anyway, but that, that is now for me. It's in the past, uh, and I leave it to uh, the. Oh, uh, in this case, Patrofila who's going to take over the the housing. But Mr. Picardo uh, hinted just mm-hmm. before calling the election mm-hmm. that uh, more housing for rental was going to be part of his government's plans. Well, if that is going to be the policy of the GSLP Liberals going ahead, fine. If the, that is, uh, if they want to build more houses for rental, so be it. Then, you know, you continue with the same policy of uh, uh, allowing people to have their own homes and it's government stock. That's fine. Okay, Cathy says, have sheltered housing for mentally ill patients been on the cards? And if so, when will we see more of them? Well, again, uh, I have always, as a matter of priority, prioritized people who have been in, have had issues. People who've come out from prison, people who have come out, have had mental issues, they come out from Ocean View and they need a place. We have been very, very actively trying to give people, say, a, a bedroom flat. We have worked very closely with the care agency because it's important to have for people who have mental health issues when they get a house that there is a support behind that. Because some people, when they get a house, they can they they they're not quite independent uh, to live on their own, and they can have issues. So I think it's important to work very closely with the care agency and Ocean Views and have, like we used to have, a committee where it gives it, it prepares a package for people coming out of Ocean Views so that they are protected, that they're protected by having carers if they need it. Some people don't need it, but, you know, an assessment of that those people who need it. Um 
Mr Linares, given that we are short for time, and yeah. uh, I'm going to... Um, you mentioned your daughter, Christina, mm -hmm. uh, who uh, posted uh, just a few days ago uh, defending your record uh, as uh, a minister, mm -hmm. as a minister for youth, opening up youth clubs, mm -hmm. as a minister for culture. She mentions the GMF, the music festival, the, the jazz festival, the chess festival. Uh, on the sporting side, she mentions boxing, the Europa Point sports complex, Lathbury Sports Complex, uh, your involvement in the Special Olympics Sports Centre, the Stay and Play programme, and uh, the fact that uh, you uh, were involved in the Europa Pool being handed back uh, from the MOD to the people of Gibraltar. Are those some of the um, are those some of the highlights that that you would say? Yeah, I'm proud of that. Uh, of course, I'm all proud of all of them. Uh, I've worked hard to have them. Uh, I mean, it, it is an achievement for me to be able to spell out all those things that I have done. Uh, I, like I said, I've been in government for 12 years and we have done a, a lot of things in 12 years. Uh, we have reformed Gibraltar. We've, I mean, look at the sporting facilities. Uh, when would we have thought of having all those facilities up and running Yes, it took four years more, and people tell me why wasn't it in 2019. Well, there were issues, but they're there now. And uh, all the things that I, I'm really proud, of course, I'm really proud to have worked with all my colleagues to achieve all the things that... That's why when I'm leaving now, I'm so happy that I leave a legacy of what I've done. Uh, for me, it's, this is what makes me proud, no? that I've been in government and I've made a difference. And this is the issue. You, and I and I ask all the candidates, whoever it is, that if you're going to go into politics and you're going to go into frontline politics, that you go for the right reason. And the right reason is to help your community as much as you can. And in short, what next for Stephen Linares? Well, Stephen Linares is going to... First of all, I'm still a minister until the 12th of October. And uh, I intend to run uh, up till then, as in normal day-to-day -day stuff. After that, well... Uh, I think I'll take a couple of months off, think and, uh, you know, see what I'm going to do. But, Jonathan, I have loads of projects that I want to achieve. There's still, I'm still young. I Fire feel in very the belly, young. no? <laughs> yeah, I'm still young and I, there are many, many things that I would like to do. Okay, well, we wish you the best of luck with them. Uh, Stephen Linares, uh, after 23 years in Parliament, stepping back from frontline politics. Uh, thank you for joining us at Broadcasting House. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, and good afternoon to Owen Smith, who we've just seen, if you're on GBC television, walking in Hi in there. the background there. Um, Owen, good afternoon. Uh, the Federation of Small Businesses is going to uh, host two town hall meetings for commercial landlords and tenants to have their say and discuss the current laws and what potentially might need changing. That's right. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, we're very much uh, um, moving towards being a membership focused organisation. And we've had representations from our membership about their concerns about the state of the existing law and the constraints that it applies upon them. And that applies both to tenants and to landlords. So what we're doing is convening a meeting to uh, discuss the issues, to focus on what can be changed, what needs to be changed, and to see if we can't start to uh, build and deliver a campaign uh, to make changes to the existing law. 
Okay, so um, you're basically calling on all landlords, all commercial landlords and tenants. That's right. We're going to have two separate meetings uh, because obviously they're they're both um, form part of our membership, but they both have distinct um, wants and needs. So we're going to listen to them separately, and then we're going to build out a campaign from there, which hopefully, which which will reflect the needs of the entire membership. And, and I, I suspect that the, the timing has something to do with the fact that uh, you took over um, uh, the, at the GFSB um, in recent months and, right. and now things. But I suppose the timing is also quite good because you might be able to form a policy that you can then give to the new government at the start of their four-year term. Well, perhaps. I mean, these these are meetings that are open to our membership and to what we like to call future members. So you don't have to be a member to attend, so you can come along and listen. And we certainly invite um, any representative from political parties that are standing to office. They can come and listen to the concerns of our members. It's part of the reason the GFSB exists, to represent those concerns. And, um, yeah, it's quite fortuitous that this campaign is gathering pace in the currency of an election, but it's also just coincidence. And, and um, you, you know, when, you, when you're inviting um, commercial landlords and tenants to, to be part of this conversation, the question that you're asking for me was interesting. Has the time come for sweeping reforms to the existing law? Well, Is this because that's the sort of thing that your members I are, mean, are, are putting to our you? Our members are, are, are very concerned about the state of the existing law. Um, as you may or may not know, it is ancient um, and really uh, widespread, wide-sweeping reforms are required. Um, We are focusing very much on the business angle, but it's equally applicable on the residential um, angle, as I can see Stephen nodding his head there, and he well knows, you Mm. know. Uh, But our focus is business, and um, and there are things that we would like to see changed, um, there are, that our members would like to see changed, some things which are quite peculiar to Gibraltar and some things uh, which uh, are a result of the fact that our law is very, very out of date. Okay, and um, and this results in problems for landlords and tenants. Well, I mean, I think the main issue that we're seeing at the moment, obviously, is um, in in terms of you know the high street or commercial premises generally. Uh, you know, we're not experiencing the best of times; they're challenging times, and this is really bringing the issue into focus for members. Uh, and that is why the the, the issue has arisen uh, when it has. So, cost of living crisis makes it harder for consumers, I mean, which makes it harder for small businesses, and and exactly. you're looking at. At, at you know where where you could improve things all around. Yeah, I mean the a cost of living crisis is impacting the ability of businesses, particularly small businesses, to to carry out their businesses, to make money, and and to continue to exist. And unfortunately, we are seeing businesses shut down in Gibraltar, and we are seeing increasingly um, you know Main Street that has empty shops on it. Um, and these are the issues that we want to try and tackle for the benefit both of tenants um, who are really feeling the squeeze and landlords who are constricted by an old system and also have some other concerns as well which we're hoping to address with them. Okay, so Tuesday the 26th, that's this Tuesday, and then on Tuesday the 3rd of October, uh, and you're meeting at the GFSB conference room, that's 122 Irish Town, Yep. and the meetings start at 7.30. That is correct. I think, it's, as I said, it's open to members and future members, uh, and, it, and this, you know, heralds the beginning of the GFSB becoming a member-focused, a member um, focus organisation and and this is going to be one of our first major campaigns I think. All right, Owen Smith of the GFSB, thank you for joining us.
Thank you very much. And thank you, uh, Stephen Linares, for being thank such you. a good guest and staying on and, and not heckling <laughs> Mr. Smith as he uh, talked about the laws no, there. Okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to deal with housing, not commercial, so it's yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd right. just like to say as well, it's, it's great to see Stephen here as well. And obviously, you know, we uh, had the pleasure of working with him uh, as well during the music festival. Thank it was you. a great experience. Yeah. And uh, and he's been a great service to Jib. And it's, um, you know, and it's sorry to see you go, basically. Thank you. Thank you very much. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. When was the last time that you had a good belly laugh? A stand-up comedy night is taking place this Saturday at the Rock on the Rock Club and the acts include Susie Bennett, Paul Merrick, Lucy Frederick, and our very own Ben Lynch. Ben Lynch is doing comedy. Ben Lynch is doing comedy. Uh, that was a genuine response from Max this oyster in the newsroom, Ben, and I think it was a similar response uh, that I gave you when, when, when we first spoke about this a few days ago. Um, attempting. Attempting a- 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 <laughs> stand-up comedy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not kind of... I don't know. I've, I've been trying it out for about a year now and um uh, it's still kind of learning and, and giving it a go but it's, it's been like a, a bucket list thing for me for a long time and so it's been a, a well-kept secret for about a year <laughs> and uh and now the secret's <laughs> out um it takes guts no i mean it, it, it must be difficult to get up on stage i mean particularly the the, the first few times that, that you did it it must you must have been quite yeah, nervous yeah no? it's, it's horrible it's, <laughs> it's it's the worst. <laughs> like for a, for about a week before, uh, my stomach's in knots and I'm anxious and I'm thinking, oh, is this going to work? Should I say this? Can I get away with that? And um and I I think every time as as I kind of uh, build up to doing one of these things, I think this will be the last time. I'm not going through this again. And then I do it and I think, oh, that was okay. That was quite fun. And then I'll, I'll inevitably end up doing it again. So nerve nerve wracking in the build up, and then and then you must get some. You know, like uh, when you get good feedback, it must feel really good. Um, yeah. I mean, once once. Well, let me put this differently. Have you ever got good feedback? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I generally, <laughs> well, they keep asking me to come back, so I must be doing something right. I suppose. I I, I don't know. Um, that was that was my bad attempt at teasing <laughs> you and trying to be funny. Sorry. No, no, no. That was that was good. I'll use that. Um, <laughs> no, it's. Uh, it's 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 good fun and once once you're there and you kind of get into a flow then then it it's it's quite fun yeah okay so um uh, how how do you approach stand up comedy i mean is the process of preparing your material are there some similarities to the way that you prepare a radio show which is you know what we mainly know you for yeah yeah you've got to kind of uh, kind of you come up with an idea you kind of a uh, script it you strip away things that you don't think you need i mean you have to have like a, a setup and a punchline or a beginning middle and an end and all that kind of thing so there are some kind of transferable skills yeah and uh, um and you're looking what like a sort of interesting maybe awkward everyday situations yeah i mean it's it's i, I just i just write basically i just write stuff or i'll make a little note on my on my phone and then try and kind of build build on that and then um try and link that to other things that I've written, so it kind of flows in in a, in a nice kind of uh, five minute um, set. And five minutes sounds like it; uh, it's fairly short, but actually, uh, 
you probably cram quite a lot into it. Yeah, no? and it flies by. If like one, once you're there, because basically, like uh, you've you've got to keep it tight and you've got to keep to to the the schedule. So um, you'll get like a, a flash of a torch from the back of the room, and that's when you know you need to to wrap it up. But before you know it, that five minutes is is over. It's, yeah. Uh, it's 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 good. It's fun. It's nerve wracking as well. There, I can imagine, man. Um, and um, w- w- what sort of uh, venues have you played? What sort of crowds um, have you had? Just a, a few kind of uh, quiet bars. Well, not quiet bars. We've we've had like a, some some bigish crowds. Um, depends depends on where where you are, but it's it's not like a, a big arena or venue, or, or it's nothing like uh, the St Michael's Cave. This is what these events are about. It's kind of like uh, how stand up comedy is enjoyed uh, around the world in kind of uh, dark dark rooms and clubs yeah. and bars and stuff like that. It's 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 a bit different to to your kind of uh, big stand-up shows you see on tv and in big theaters and things this is this is kind of like uh, grassroots organic yeah. this is where it all kind of starts i suppose where most of the stand-up comedians who we might have seen on television will have started their careers and, and will have grounded and, and really formed their skills yeah exactly yeah yeah you, you don't you don't just start by doing <laughs> theaters and stuff you kind of uh try it out and and people do this for years and years before they get anywhere anywhere and, and become recognisable. So can you give us an example of um, the sort of thing that you uh, have found humour in, you know, the sort of everyday life experience that you think, like, you're doing it and then you're like, this actually is quite funny, I, I can say something about this. Um, things like maybe uh, having a, a short attention span when when doing certain things, when, when you're kind of maybe uh, playing football or just going through day-to-day, day-to-day life, uh, but I, I, I just kind of write weird stuff. Really, <laughs> it's a little bit whimsical sometimes, and uh, the, there's uh, imaginary dogs on stage with me sometimes as well. And, and I mean, it, it, does, <laughs> it probably doesn't sound funny as as I'm telling you about it now. I think it's it's got to be kind of part of the thing. And that's the yeah. thing about about this as well. It is is you, you'll write something and you think of it, and then think, oh, that, that could be quite funny. But it's not something. It's an art form that you can't kind of just practice at home you you have to do it in front of people it has to be like you have to interact you have to see yeah. that feed, see see how they're receiving it yeah like, like like if you're doing art if if you're painting a picture at home you paint the picture if you don't like it you throw it in the bin or or if you're playing guitar at home and and the song doesn't quite come out right you just carry on practicing and, and off you go but this this requires an audience to kind of uh, for it to have its full effect, yeah. I think. And I can imagine you, you probably indulge a part of you and your personality that maybe you can't do um, before 8 o'clock because this is a gig that happens in, no, at night. No, I, I generally kind of uh, keep it quite clean, clean. which is which is in a way is, is harder because it's, it's very easy just to kind of use profanity uh, yeah 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 but but i i like to kind of uh keep it clean and 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 uh open to everybody i, I don't I, I try not to offend anybody i don't make fun of people or anything like that you know it's it's just kind of observational and uh light-hearted and, yeah yeah good man so this is stand-up comedy gibraltar at the rock and the rock club it's happening on saturday at eight o'clock or it starts at eight o'clock and you're taken to the stage with Susie bennett paul merrick Lucy Frederick and uh, Nick Coppin will be um, will be the MC for the night. Tickets are available on eventbrite.co.uk. Search for Stand Up Comedy Gibraltar, and in just in in a line or two, why should people go along, Ben? 
uh, because this is something that you, you when you go and say on holiday to to London or, or a big city, it's something a lot of people seek out. You know, they seek out a comedy show or or, or anything similar, and this is being brought to you it's here it's in gibraltar it's on your doorstep and uh, and it's good to laugh make the most of it and um and enjoy uh, come and see these other fantastic comedians they are brilliant uh, susie bennett for example supported jimmy carr on tour and uh don't don't worry about me go get go get a drink at the bar when i'm on but come and watch these other amazing comedians because it's gonna right. be great thanks for listening to those highlights from gibraltar today i'm kelly and borge the show's producer we're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.